Welcome back. This is the Plus Money Pod with your host. Thank you for liking, clicking, subscribing, listening. Please share with everybody and anybody. Um, Like I said in the last episode before we signed off, you know, if you go four and one with me on a weekend or something along those lines, it's pretty sweet. Not every day is going to be as glorious as the wild card weekend. And, you know, just share with anybody. You know, word of mouth is the best advertisement, and I believe that if you provide great information, entertainment, it goes a long way. So hopefully that's something that we continue to bring for you, for you guys. Um, this show is going to recap the wild card as we went 19-7 and seven overall, if you listen to every pick given out on the last episode, which is a pretty impressive run, and we just look to build on that in the divisional round. So we're going to recap the games briefly and we're going to scratch the surface on the divisional rounds we're not going to really drop every single tidbit of picks um because there's just so much more information to be coming out before we you know before we make those final decisions i kind of i'm a late better there's people that open up the screen as soon as lines jump out and they're like damn let me get the Chiefs plus three. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. That's an advantageous number. Patrick Mahomes is 8-1-1 one one as, as an underdog. And they want to jump on the early lines. That's why it's down to two and a half. I'm more of a person that likes to get all the information. Look at how Vegas and the books particularly are changing the numbers to how people are betting them. I'm more of a late, I like um, late action, let's say. But believe it or not, majority of the time, my closing line value is very good. Even if I do miss the opening number of the Chiefs plus the two and a half or something like that, that, that. My CLV, for the most part, stays relatively balanced, and that's what you—that's what you really want to look for in a lot of, in a lot of these situations. If you're a late better, um, there's times where you miss the line. You're not going to get them all, but I'm more of a late better. I try to see where everything kind of correlates. So this show, we're definitely going to recap what we dropped on the last one. Like I said, we'll get into all the games, the Dallas upset, the Lions winning their first home game in 30-something years in the playoffs. And, you know, what's to come with the with the previews between the Texans and Baltimore and, you know, kind of what we see in the beginning of those, of those matchups. A little bit of other things that are going on right now in the sports world. we got the Australian Open. Um, that's kicking off the first couple rounds. NBA is turning the corner as we head into the trade deadline and the all-star game. Pascal Siakam might be on the move. Um, And we got the NHL skating around the pond. Not much really happening, you know. In the NHL, it's very... If you told me right now, pick an NHL Stanley Cup champion, you'd be like, flip a coin. You know what I mean? So we'll get into all of that. Coming up here shortly, plus money pop. 
All right, let's get into it. Wild NFL Wild Card Weekend. Um, it's kind of a snooze fest. You know what I mean? We had two games that were theoretically they were kind of over by halftime or mid third quarter. Um, shit, I want to say one, two, three, four, maybe four games that were theoretically over by the third quarter. Um, but hey, we're not complaining because we did really f- sick. Nineteen and seven. With all the money lines, overs, props, we're going to get into them as the order they came in. Um, The first game, we got terribly wrong. There was a lot of things I overlooked with the Browns and the Texans. I leaned on the Browns and their defense, um, thinking that the playoffs would bring them something different. But sometimes when you're betting on sports and you're looking into data and research, the proof is in the pudding. They were not the same defense on the road. The over in every single Browns game on the road hit. They were 9-0 and on the road, including this game. They were 8-0 and coming into the over. And these are things that I just overlooked. I didn't want to, I just like kind of didn't want to believe them, thinking, oh, it's the playoffs. You know, defense is going to show up, which they did not. 45-14. to the Texans move on to over cashes at four and a half or at 45. Um, Texans winning outright, outscoring the Browns 21 to nothing in the in the second half. CJ Stroud, fantastic performance. The guy is electric. Um, 274 yards passing off of just 16 completions. Nico Collins being the beneficiary of a lot of that. 96 yards off of seven targets, six receptions, and a touchdown. And how about the run from the backup tight end? Michael Jordan. 76 yards. Bomb to the house. I'm not, his name's not Michael Jordan. It's Brevin Jordan. Fantastic catch and run on that sideline. Took it all the way to the crib. Um, just a fantastic performance overall by the Houston Texans. Defense showed up, came to play. All of those Flacco supporters, including myself, were kind of put to rest. He did throw for 307 yards, but that's a lot of garbage. Um, got sacked four times, threw two crucial interceptions as the Texans took him back to the crib. And you're never going to win a playoff game when you're turning the ball over. And on top of it, they're getting six right on your dome, on the road, indoors. It was just too much to overcome. Um, the Browns playing from behind, never a good sight. So we lose on the Browns. We lose on the total. But David Njoku, last second, not last second. Well, David Njoku kind of spare, spares us, Come comes through with the receiving total. Sorry, couldn't talk there. He gets 11 targets, 93 yards off of seven receptions, and he breezes by his total. Um, So this is one that we just totally got wrong. And it is what it is. The Texans move on. They are now 10-point dogs on the road versus Lamar Jackson in the number one seed in Baltimore. Um, So kudos to them, D'Amico, Ryans, and company. It's going to be a fantastic game. I really want to see what the rookie does in this one. Uh, he, CJ Stroud is different, man. Three touchdowns, 274, 16 for 21. Throwing off his back foot, scrambling in the pocket, flicking it up. Nico Collins diving catches. Uh, 
what what else do you got to see to show that this guy should have definitely been the number one pick of the draft? If it wasn't for the Panthers owner butting in and basically telling the team that we're going to take Bryce Young. You know, it could have been a different season for the Panthers. Needless to say, their their offensive line kind of is shit. That just leads me, you know, the NFL is such a team sport, it's crazy. Like, Bryce Young could have got drafted by the Texans and have been having success. We just don't know. The offensive line, the team, the overall pieces are just so much better than what he has to work with in the Carolina. He's running for his life. So, just throw that out there. It's the ultimate team sport. Um, So, we get that wrong. wrong. Najoku kind of saves the day a little bit. And we move on to the Tundra game. Man, it looks so cold in Kansas City. I don't know if anybody's seen in the local liquor store, gas station. They pulled the water bottle out of the fridge. And it froze instantly on site. You see the water bottle just freezing into ice. That's how cold it was in this game. I live in Michigan. My ass was shoveling snow all weekend because we got bombarded by that blizzard. My hands were fucking freezing with the wind. Let alone, these guys are going out there trying to catch a football and tackle. I'm like, how the, I don't know how these guys do it, but kudos to them. The toughness, minus 30 degrees or whatever it was on the wind chill. Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead take down the Miami Dolphins, cover the spread, minus four and a half versus the Dolphins there. The under ends up cashing, 43 and a half, 26 to seven. The Dolphins only muster up a touchdown from Tyreek Hill. And much like we suspected, can't talk, much like we suspected, the Kansas Kansas City Chiefs come away with this one. They control the ball. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 41 fucking times. I don't even know how. But he was able to cut through the wind and deliver it. Rashid Bryce, 12 targets, 8 catches, 130. Travis Kelsey, 7 receptions of 71 yards. Those two were the, definitely the catalyst, getting open, finding easy easy passes. Mahomes had all day to throw the ball, just like we, just like we alluded to. The pass rush for Miami was going to be non-existent, especially without Jason Phillips, Bradley Chubb, guys that they lost just before the playoffs. We knew that was going to be huge in this one. It allowed Patrick Mahomes to be sacked for a whopping zero times. QB rating of 83. He was... He was just standing back there delivering the ball. So we cashed on the Chiefs, we cashed on the under, and we cashed on Pacheco over his rushing total of 89 yards. Um, he, he finishes with, with 89, and we cash on that as well. Tua threw the ball 31 times. Threw a pick, sacked twice. Those were the different, that, you know, that's a big difference in this one. Wasn't able to get it going on the ground. Mostert, 33 yards. A-chain, six carries. Nine yards. They were bottled up by the Chiefs. Um, It is what it is. That's what we've seen coming on this one. I'm not going to really dive too much into it. But, you know, Miami is just kind of this, this, 
make-believe team. They're just not tough enough, in my opinion. Um, losing that last game to Buffalo kind of showed you all that you need to need to know. And I don't know where they go from here. Like, how do you improve this team? What do you do differently? The dynamic offense, putting up 70 points on the team earlier in the year to just put up seven points now. How do you explain that? There's a 60-point gap difference between the game that they played earlier in the season to now in January. Granted, yes, it's a different team. It's a different time, everything. But it's kind of eye-opening. There's something there that you have to fix. And I think it's a certain level of toughness, tenacity on the defensive side of the ball. Patrick Mahomes and no pressure put on him whatsoever. No turnovers, no sacks, and that's not, you know, that's that's not a way to beat him. Nobody in the NFL is going to beat him without bringing him down. So Kansas City gets to move on. They are a two and a half point dog on the road versus the Buffalo Bills, who we'll get into a little bit later. Jumping over to the Packers game, which we absolutely crushed. Packers plus seven over the total. Ferguson gets home. Brandon Cooks gets home. Aaron Jones over his total gets home. Packers win 48 to 32. Much of a blowout. Winning outright on the money line. And I hate to say, but, you know, a lot of people seen this coming. Dallas, it's just make-believe. We stated on the earlier, on the show prior to the game, you could pass all over this team, especially without Diggs locking down. And that's exactly what Jordan Love did in the first half. He only had a complete, this looks a lot similar to somebody else's numbers. 16 for 21, 272, and three touchdowns. Hey, might as well just put C.J. Stroud next to his name. Aaron Jones goes off for 21 yards rushing and 118, three tutties. If you had that, that cashed. Aaron Jones, three touchdowns, plus pff, seen anywhere from five plus 500, 5,000 to plus 2,000. Um, so that cashed in flying colors. Aaron Jones has now four straight rushing games over 100 yards versus Dallas, and he has five straight 100-yard rushing games overall. Romeo Dobbs open all over the field. Dallas cannot do anything. Dak Prescott basically gifted the game to Green Bay with those two pick sixes. You can't win the game when you do that. Much alluded to like Joe Flacco. Very similar stat lines all the way around in this one as Ferguson cashes for us, Brandon Cooks with the late reception cashes for us, and Aaron Jones, plus Green Bay in the total. We go 5-0 and in this game. Um, but where does Dallas go from here? Bill Belichick is available, Mike Vrabel. Um, do they keep McCarthy? Do they change coordinators? Dan Quinn is getting interviewed all over. There's a lot of people that are have expiring contracts. I just, I don't know. Dallas is just a, a, a fugazi team. DVOA defensively had them way below metrics on where a lot of people in their minds had them, I want to say. Dak, now 1-6 ATS in the playoffs or something along those lines. 
there was something visibly there, you know, he threw a couple balls behind CD Lamb, and then he's kind of yelling at Lamb. Lamb wasn't really responsive. The defense couldn't get a stop when your defense is, you know, you're looking up at the scoreboard the whole time, and they're getting destroyed. And every time the pressure is mounting, we got to go down and score. We got to go down and score. And, you know, they were driving at a moment there. Before that second interception, I tell you, if they would have went down and scored on that possession right there, they would have been in it still. And Dak did RPO, took it up, was eyeing, just, just looking Lamb down the whole time and delivers the pass right to the Packer player. So I don't know where you go with this team. Kind of a dumpster fire at this point. Packers move on. They get 10 points versus... Um, they get 10 points going to Candlestick Park versus the San Francisco 49ers, the number one seed. We'll preview that one a little bit. But kudos to Matt LaFour, who's hot. Just as hot as Jordan Love is the guy that's calling the place. You know, kudos to Matt LaFour and changing this thing around, getting everybody healthy at the right time. Aaron Jones being back is pivotal. And we're going to see what they can do against the Niners. The snow game, Buffalo Bills. Versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Buffalo covers minus 10, 31 to 17. The overcashes in flying colors, over 40. As this thing was moving up and down, up and down. We've seen it as low as 33 with all of the weather and everything impacted. That was going to be happening on that Sunday. To the game being moved to Monday and it closing at 39. 39 and a half in some spots. Then um, it was just crazy. Bill's Mafia was sweeping the all the seats just to sit down. A lot of them were standing the whole time. As touchdowns were being scored, the snowballs were being thrown in the air. Um, the field was, I think a lot of people knew the field was in great playing and throwing conditions around pregame. Um, the wind died down significantly and it was it was a you were able to throw the ball um the bills get out to a huge 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter and you know the Steelers had a moment there where it was 24 to 17 if they could have got a touchdown it could have been interesting but Buffalo ultimately got to stop went down scored and extended the game Josh Allen this one 21 of 30 only 203 yards passing in that span three touchdowns he was brought down two times with two sacks, but he also had 74 yards rushing. So 275 yards total, let's say, for Josh Allen. A rushing touchdown and a passing. He was definitely the best player on the field, took over, MVP. And now let's talk about that fake slide. <laughs> because earlier in the game, Josh Allen slides, and a Pittsburgh Steelers defender who's pursuing him for a tackle lands on Josh Allen with his hands up in the air already. Like, oh, shit, he's sliding. I can't stop myself. I'm running full force. My hands are in the air, and his body lands on Josh Allen, and he kind of bounces and rolls off him. Josh Allen bounces up, looks around. Hey, dudes, throw the flag. Bam, instant flag comes out. Instant flag comes out, roughing the passer, roughing the runner, whatever the hell, it, roughing, 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 15 yards tacked on. 
Because Buffalo goes down on that drive, I think, later and scores. Fast forward later in the game to Josh Allen's touchdown run for like 50 yards. Josh Allen gets the snap, scans the field, steps up in the pocket, runs up the gut. Busts through to the secondary, let's say 10 yards in, gaining the first down. He's approaching the secondary and the left hashes, and he chops his feet as if he's about to go and take a slide. Which makes a lot of the Pittsburgh defenders kind of hesitate and chop their feet anticipating the slide and what does he do boom cuts it up the field even more turns on the burners busts through everything and escapes for a touchdown <sighs> there's just so many things I, I don't even know it's a playoff game it's pushed back being one thing you couldn't play that game it was a blizzard what i tell you about shoveling snow earlier these guys are nuts for even playing in this shit <laughs> and But the NFL has to do something about that fake slide. I think it should be, um, you know, the defense just has everything working against them already. Now they have to worry about the quarterback faking sliding in the open field. Do I tackle him or not at full speed? And then all of a sudden, a guy like Josh Allen, who's a fucking tight end or a linebacker, to bring him down, he's going to get another four or five yards no matter what if if he fake slides and you hesitate for any, any, any second. The NFL, they got to do something about that. They, they got to look into it a little bit and how they can protect the defense a little bit more too, right? One thing I will give them kudos, the roughing the passer and late hit out of bounds, that has been chopped down significantly. And I do give them kudos to that because it's been more enjoyable to watch. Not every play is a late hit out of bounds, man. You know, they were calling that so much last season and also the roughing on the quarterback. But it seems like this year they were told to put those flags in their pocket on those plays. And it's been it's been a, a lot better of a product, I will say. Um, so Buffalo controls this game throughout 31-17. to 17. The Steelers... <sighs> They're just, they're just, I don't know. I don't even know how they're in the playoffs, honestly. And the press conference after the game with the reporter and Mike Tomlin up at the podium, the reporter goes, Mike, you have one year left on on your contract. And he literally booked it. He didn't even look at them. He didn't even answer. Uh, he booked it straight out the door, left, left the press conference with a lot of speculation. Now, if you fire Mike Tomlin or you let him leave, or whatever the case may be, rumors say that he's burnt out by coaching. I think you're a total fucking idiot to let, let that guy leave your building. If he has any ounce of a quarterback, the guy could win the division every year. He's going up against Lamar, Joe Burrow. He's going to battle with these guys with Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky. They haven't had a quarterback since Ben left. And... Every fucking year, they're above 500. What else do you want from your head coach to get the max, most max out of your team? Schemes, defense. I really don't know what else you you could ask for. To have that guy 
wanting to possibly even quit on you. He's quitting on you. He's quitting on Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh letting him go. He's like, damn, like, do something for the guy. Shit. Kenny Pickett? Mason Rudolph? And he's still in the playoffs? How? How does this even happen? He's got to stay one more year, but they got to go to battle with, you know, go get, go get, I don't even know. I don't even think Kirk Cousins is a fit playing outdoors. I don't think, um, I don't know what they do, honestly. They got to do something. Go draft a rookie, extend the contract, give him another four years, give him three years with the rookie, see how it goes. If that last year is deserving, you give it. Sorry, minor technical difficulties, but Pittsburgh, I, I don't know what it is. A lot of Pittsburgh fans have a gripe with Tomlin. I don't know why. I really don't know why. I think he's a fantastic coach. Um, so moving on from there, Buffalo's going to move on and host another game versus Kansas City. This time it's in Buffalo. I still don't believe in him. I don't know what it is. I still don't believe in this Buffalo Bills team. I think when they go up against equal to better talent, it shows instantly. Kansas City's defensive line, Chris Jones and company, William Gay, they are going to bring their A game versus Josh Allen. They know exactly what they're up against. So that game is going to be fantastic to watch. Um, then let's talk about the one that's close to my vest a little bit. The Detroit Lions. 24. The LA Rams. 23. In a heart-pumping game. Probably the best one of the weekend. It was an electric atmosphere. Just like I told you guys it would be. Ford Field was rocking. It's the new place to... It's the new 12th man in the NFL. With the atmosphere like that... The crowd was so loud, they broke the decimal, the decimal record. Um, that just came out today with the report. The crowd was so loud at Ford Field, it broke the decimal record for an NFL game. It's a tough atmosphere. This the These people... This fan base, they've been waiting so long for something like this. And to finally have it, it's surreal. Normally, we're talking about how we're going to be spending our top five draft pick to improve this team every year. At this point, we're bystanders every year of my whole life. To see grown-ass people in the crowd crying after the first Lions playoff win in 32 years was surreal. And I think they know what they have as far as the team. You know, Matthew Stafford is probably on the bench looking up. He's like, shit, we never had this when I was fucking here for 12 years. What the hell? I must be worth a lot. I gave these guys a whole squad. I gave them a quarterback. Fucking Penny Sewell, Sam Laporta, this, that. 
Yeah, I gave him a whole team. I'm worth 10 guys. He's probably sitting over here like, and rightfully so. Kudos to Matthew Stafford. There was a point in my Lions tenured where, as a fan, my Lions tenure as a fan, where I totally gave up on this franchise. Like, dude, these guys just don't have a clue. They don't have a fucking clue. I totally gave up on them. Didn't even want to watch a game. I'm not going to lie. I can't sugarcoat shit. That happened. But when Sheila Ford came in, the new owner of the Lions, Sheila Ford Hamp, and hired Brad Holmes, who at the time was the same guy that scouted Aaron Donald, was the same guy that scouted Cooper Cup, was the same guy that scouted all of that Rams talent that ended up taking them to a Super Bowl because that's where Brad Holmes came from. He was a stem of a scouting department with the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay and that whole organization. Sheila Ford Hamp brings in Brad Holmes, who then brings in somebody that was part of the Detroit organization that understands the city, that understood the people, that understood the mission, the job, and how to go about it, how to win our hearts. From the first press conference on, I love Dan Campbell. I said, I don't know what the fuck he, I don't know what the fuck he's going to do X's and O's wise. But I know we're going to be ready. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be organized and we're going to be physical as fuck. And that's exactly what the Detroit Lions are. And it took somebody that's been here, part of the blood, sweat, and tears, to actually understand those blood, sweat, and tears. And to put the product on the field that looks like they practiced with blood, sweat, and tears. This team wants to run through a wall for Dan Campbell. We got fans over here that want to run through a wall for Dan Campbell. And they don't even play on the fucking team. It's electric. The atmosphere, you know, I could talk on and on and on about the Lions right now. But I don't want to bore everybody who's not really a Lions fan. You have to be here and understand it. You have to be here to see it, to feel it, to understand it. I feel like. To understand what we went through as a franchise. And to have The Undertaker. Let's talk about the game a little bit. This guy Matt Stafford is a fucking tank. To see him get smacked. Bounce his head off the turf. His eyes rolled behind his head for a second. He was knocked out. His hand was clutched up next to his chest. It was a, it was a terrible scene. I was like, oh my god. They just... Damn, Stafford. I was like... I felt bad for a moment there. And then just like the Undertaker gif, my man's eyes snap back into it. He fixes his face mask. He rises up, gets his ass off the turf, walks toward, jogs towards the sideline under his own power. Everybody in America was like, all right, well, Stafford's out. Carson Wentz is warming up. Lions are looking in great shape. For him to come back in this game, I don't know what they did to him in that medical tent, 
But he came out this game looking like vintage Brett Favre. Slinging it. Bam. First play. Bam. Cooper Cup. Puka Nukuka. In between three, four guys. Bam. Screen pass to Puka. He's up the sidelines. Like, Matthew Stafford is one tough son of a... Probably the toughest quarterback i maybe ever seen in the NFL. Especially witnessing him here 12 years getting destroyed because we never had an offensive line like we do now with Penny Sewell, Frank Ragnall, and these guys to protect him. He got destroyed here in Detroit. The toughest quarterback in the league. And the most soft-spoken. Because in his tenure here, I will say, he never said a damn thing. In his 12 years here, never said a damn word about, I want to win now. We need to do this. We need to win now. It was always the... uh, the Stephen Curry press conference. Oh, we're going to get better. We're going to work on things. and You know, we're going to get better. It's, 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 it's a tough one to take. I love my teammates. He never really, you know, you know, that's something that a lot of Detroit fans have a bone to pick with him when his time was here. But needless to say, Lions get it done 24 to 23. Stafford throws for 367. Two touchdowns. Puka Nakuka. Caches setting rookie records 181 through the air, a touchdown, nine catches off of 10 targets, a long of 50. But Cooper Cup doesn't get home on this one for us. 27 yards off of nine targets. The Lions really did a job on, on blanketing Cooper Cup, and that's why Puka was open majority of the time. On the Lions side of things, Jared Goff, spectacular, no turnovers, a touchdown, 277 in the air, a completion percentage of 81. Sorry, more technical difficulties there. But um, Jared Goff, completion percentage of 81%. 22 for 27. Um, Quarterback rating of 121. He was fantastic, dude. Fantastic. He had a couple passes to Josh Reynolds. Uh, One of them was a skinny little post on the left hashes. That was amazing. Uh, David Montgomery, 57 yards, average 4.1, gets a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs. Kind of slow in this one. Only 25 yards rushing, only off of eight touches. He does pick up 43 in the air, though. Just a dynamic running back. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 110. Cashed on that slip. Very surprised to see a Sam Laporta out there and moving how he did. Um, that, was, that was thoroughly impressive. So we do cash on the Lions money line. I don't know how the over doesn't get home, guys. I was sure this total was going to get home. We don't even get a touchdown in the second half. The total was sitting at um, 52, if I'm not mistaken, and it ends at 44 after getting 38 points scored in the first half. Three field goals in this one. The biggest being a Lions 50-something yarder from Michael Badgley, who was 1-6 from 50 yards or more. In his last seven attempts or something along those lines. Excuse me if I'm off for just a little bit. But the odds were not in his favor to kick that. The right call was to kick the field goal at that time and place. And Dan Campbell trusts his kicker at Ford Field. No wind. Blasts it through the uprights. Michael Badgley. Huge, massive kick for the Detroit Lions in this one. Honestly... A big difference, a big difference in the game. You know what I mean? That kick 
And the Rams opening drive stalling for three. Two of the most biggest drives of the whole game. Huge, massive moments. And I'm not going to lie, as a Lions fan, I'm sitting there watching Stafford go down the field. Delivering strike after strike, taking them to the 30, to the 40. There's five minutes left. And I'm like, eh, I've seen this story so many times in my life. And kudos to Aiden Hutchinson for putting the pressure on Stafford on those two, on the third down and on the fourth down. But I can't believe Sean McVay punted that football. That being another thing, I thought there was no way they were going to punt in this situation. If he just threw maybe like an 8-yard, 7-yard, drew up like a 10-yard play and then went for it on 4th and 4, I thought that was the move. But Aiden Hutchinson gets a huge pressure on 3rd down, which leads to a holding call. But I find it hilarious re-watching the game. The ref had such a pause Holding one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. It's almost as if the NFL right there was like, hey, Lions, you're finally getting a call that's going to pretty much end this game for you guys. And it's finally going in your favor for the first time in decades. (laughs) He goes, offense, number blah, blah, blah. And the whole stadium erupted. But the, the, the irony there of the pause, it was like, dude. Who's this going on? It's still, after all the heartbreak, you thought, like, dude, is this about, like, defensive holding? Like, what is this? And it was just all so surreal. I'm not going to front. It was just everything going your way for once. (laughs) It was so surreal. You can hear it in my voice and the laughs. It's just like we're still on cloud nine over here. But the atmosphere was electric. Um we hit on the Lions' money line. We don't cash on the over. We cash on Puka, Puka Nakuka. We, pass on, we, we cash on St. Brown. We do not cash on Gibbs. We do not cash on Cup. Um, but overall, it was an unbelievable game. I'll tell you what, this Lions team hits. They hit. They knocked Puka out at one point. They knocked Kareem Williams out at one point. They have not given up. 75 yards rushing to any running back this season. They knocked Stafford out at one point, who God knows, like I said, God knows what they shot him up with because he came out like the Undertaker to rip our souls away. And if it wasn't for even a couple questionable calls, a holding, and even on that last fourth down play, Puka was grabbed a little bit by a Lions defender. Um, Man, what a trooper Stafford is. But the Lions move on. They're going to get another home game at Ford Field, which is just crazy to think about. And, you know, after that Dallas bullshit to end the year, it actually works out where the Lions are the second seed out of the blue. (laughs) And they do get that second home game. So Ford Field is going to be electric, and they're laying six versus the Buccaneers. Who we'll get into right now. To put a molly whopping on the Philadelphia Eagles, 32-9. to nine. Hate to say i seen it coming, but we definitely did. Buccaneers plus three caches, under the total, 44. So we do cash on the Bucks, the under, White for his total rushing and receiving. 
And uh, Mike Evans does not get home, surprisingly. Even after the first drive, he caught like a 40-yard bomb, and he does not get home on his total. But the Bucks thoroughly dominated this game. And all the warning signs for Philly were there pre-flop. And, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, just like we said with the Browns. Not seeing a couple of those things and just kind of turning a blind eye to some of their alarming away numbers. The proof is in the pudding with the, with the Eagles. They had one of the worst defenses coming into this game the last 10 weeks in the NFL, and it showed. First play of the game, Baker Mayfield play action, if I'm not mistaken, drops back on his back foot, delivers a stripe over the field to Mike Evans for like 30, 40 yards. Gaping hole right over the middle. White got whatever he wanted on the ground before he got banged up, 75 yards rushing. Baker, 300 yards plus passing. Otten destroyed them. Chris Godwin, rookie Trey Palmer, electric. Lightning bolt, pew, touchdown. Philly was a mess, arguing on the sidelines. Defensive assignments. Offensive break, offensively, receivers running into each other. The route trees colliding. No time for Hurts. Can't beat anybody from the pocket. Couldn't establish the run. Kudos to the Bucks too. I don't want to just say that the Bucks are trash or they don't deserve to be here or whatever the case may be. Baker Mayfield's playing the best football of his career. And the defense has championship pedigree. Tom Brady instilled winning into these guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Because when they won that Super Bowl, the defense was electric. Vita Vey's still there. Levante... Uh, Devin White's still there. Levante David's still there. Shaq Barrett's still there. These guys have defensive pedigree. They fly to the football. It's not going to be as easy as a lot of people might think the Lions cakewalk next week. It's probably going to be the most physical game of the four remaining. Lions versus Buccaneers will be the most physical of the four games remaining. It's going to be a tough, tough defensive battle. Lions hit hard as fuck. And Tampa flies to the football. It's not going to be like that first game that the Lions beat Tampa Bay. But we'll get into that a little bit. Let's recap over here what happened. 32-9. to Baker Mayfield, 22-36. for 36, 337 yards, 3 touchdowns, no interceptions. Kate Otten destroys them, tight end position, 89 yards. Trey Palmer, 56-yard touchdown. Mike Evans, essentially, they kind of took Mike Evans out the game, but they didn't need to go to them as the game was, theoretically, it was over before then. Jalen Hurts, 25 for 35, 250, 250 through the air, three sacks, one touchdown. DeAndre Swift never gets it going on the ground, averages 3.4 yards a carry for 34 yards. Devante Smith in replace of A.J. Brown getting more targets, 12 for 148 yards off of eight receptions. Uh, Dallas go dirt, only 21. Does get that late does get that touchdown to salvage his line. Julio Jones, somewhat part of an offense, you know, doesn't really offer you much anymore, 22 yards receiving. They just never really got it going. And, you know, there's a lot lots of questions about Nick Sirianni. 
What do they do going forward? And I'm here to tell you that I don't know what he really does for Philly. Maybe he's a checks and balances type of head coach where he just oversees everything. A jack-of-all-trades type of guy where he wants to oversee a little bit of the whole scheme on everything. But man, like I keep saying, the proof is in the pudding. The coordinators for last year were amazing. Shane Steichen gets a head coaching job for the Colts. And look what he did with Gardner Minshew and a backup and turning that team around and almost getting into the playoffs. He was one win away. And on the defensive side of the football, Jim Schwartz had the best defense for the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, especially at home. On the road, it was a different story, as I keep alluding to, but the coordinators for Nick Sirianni's teams last year were huge. Huge. And I even did a plus money pod pregame. And we took the Dallas Cowboys to win the division for that factor alone. Their schedule was absolutely brutal. And two, the coordinators meant more than personnel, even losing Hardgraves to the Niners. And some of those key defensive guys I thought were big, but losing the coordinators were massive. And it showed. It showed. Because what Shane Steichen was able to do with Jalen Hurts, especially in red zone situations and quarterback runs and the scheme in general, was amazing. And what Jim Schwartz was able to do with that 4-3 defense, pressure and stuff in the run, and doing what they did was amazing. But it ain't there no more. And you're seeing gaping holes in the secondary. Can't cover nobody. The tackling, though, was atrocious if I'm an Eagles fan I am I would it's you can understand why they want a clean house but I don't think that's the right thing to do because who are you going to replace Sirianni with you're going to go grab Mike Vrabel alright I could be down with that or do you let Sirianni fix up his coordinators again and rail everything back in Because, I mean, you're only one season removed from a Super Bowl. Do you go get Frank Reich and bring him back just to be the OC? Do you go get Ron Rivera, which are all rumors, to be the DC? Do you go, I don't don't know. Do you go, I don't know what you do, honestly. Uh, Who else is really out there? Do you go get Josh McDaniels? Do you let him start calling some plays? I don't know. I don't know where they go from here, but I don't think firing Sirianni is the right choice. I think adding Frank Reich would be would be nice. He did good in Philly that one that one season before he went to the Colts. Um Kudos to the Bucks. They get the job done. Baker's playing amazing. They're gonna be six and a half point dogs to the Detroit Lions next week in the divisional round. Um so we got the remaining the remaining eight. Wild card weekend next week is going to kick off Saturday. Let's preview these games a little bit. We're just going to scratch the surface. Nothing too crazy diving deep. We got the Houston Texans, 430 Saturday, traveling to Baltimore. 
Baltimore is laying nine and a half, ten in this in some spots, over under a forty-three and a half. These two teams met in week one, and rookie CJ Stroud was getting his first playoff action. A lot has changed since then. A lot has changed since then. Um briefly, I like Texans to cover this number. I think it's too many points to give to such a hot quarterback. Nico Collins is a man-child at receiver. If you ever watched him before, you just notice his size right away, and you're like, damn, he's definitely a game-changer. You can force-feed him targets. And I think coming off a bye week, there might be a little bit of rust. It's Essentially, it's two weeks off because Baltimore rested a lot of guys week 18. Two weeks off, I don't think a team, I don't like teams to just turn it on. I like in-game vibes, carrying over momentum. You know, just to turn it on. Guys have been sitting on their couch for two weeks. Now they got to come and turn it on and tackle and hit hard in the cold. And uh, You know, I, th- I just think 10 points is a, is a lot for a quarterback that's able to scramble, maneuver in the pocket, deliver the football. Um D'Amico Ryans is going to have a lot of different looks for Lamar. And they're going to make Lamar try to beat him with the po- passing the football, which is something that he hasn't done in his career. He's 1-8, I think, with double-digit spreads. Something along those lines. Much like we had Dak Prescott pinned down 1-6 ATS in the playoffs. I just think that 10 points is a lot for this quarterback that they're going up against. Um. And then the night game, 8-15 in Candlestick Park. We got the San Francisco 49ers, number one team in the NFL, number one defense. Or, I mean, I think they were the number one team. But minus 9.5 versus Jordan Love and company, over under 50.5. This is another game where I think the points are way too high. For a team that has a running back that's rushed for five straight 100-yard rushing games, And you can run on San Fran a little bit. If they have any weakness, that might be it. Pushing the ball down their throats. And I think Aaron Jones coming off of five straight 100-yard games, like I just said again, he's hot and healthy and rested because he missed eight games this year almost. So I think Jordan Love being as mobile as he is in the pocket, stepping off of his back foot, delivering the football, I don't think receivers are going to be as wide open as they were versus Dallas, but I think 10 points is still enough to cover. Um, And then we go on to Sunday, where the Detroit Lions, lane six, at home at Ford Field versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, over under 48 and a half. I have no opinion just yet. I might be too close to the sun. On this one, I do think the Lions win. I don't know how convincingly they do take it down. I just, yeah, I don't really have much of an opinion at the moment. Uh, I got to just, I got to look into it a little bit more. I don't think it's, it might resemble a little bit of the first game that they played, but I don't think it truly does because it's indoors, in turf, Lions atmosphere, um, two good defenses kind of battling out. If anything, it might lean towards the under. Um, no crazy opinion on that one. And then we go Sunday night, 630 in Buffalo 
Buffalo minus two and a half over under 45 versus Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs in this one. I'm going to just say it. Patrick Mahomes getting points. He's eight, one and one as a dog. And I think that carries some weight. Um, you're going to give me points. You're going to give me almost a field goal to these guys. I actually do think they win outright versus Buffalo. Buffalo hasn't impressed me all year. I know, granted, right now people think they're hot, but I think it's more of a who have they played type of thing. If it wasn't for an offsides from Kadarius Tony's dumbass, the Chiefs would have pulled off one of the most incredible plays I've ever seen in an NFL game to basically win that one versus Buffalo. And it would have changed the whole season around as far as seeding and this and that and who won the division. And You see how big that moment was now? But I'm going to lead with Patrick Mahomes, slightly plus two and a half. Um, even take him on the money, money line plus 120. I think they're going to win. That'll do it for the Plus Money Pod. Thank you for joining the recap show and listening to my stupid jokes and insight. Um, it's an honor to bring you guys my knowledge, information, and I hope we just keep cashing slips together. Like, subscribe, retweet, tell somebody, tell your loved ones. Um, and we're going to drop a full divisional round preview like we did the last time with more props and everything, probably like Thursday or Friday before, uh, definitely before Saturday. So you guys can get all this, all the scoop that I kind of gather up through the coaching and, and watching everything and, uh, just monitoring everything leading up to the games. Um, it's fun. This is definitely fun. I truly enjoy doing this, um, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Any feedback is great. Any hard criticism is great. Um, Like I said, hopefully we can keep cashing tickets and pumping these shows for you. It's Plus Money Pod signing out. Ciao.